have a word of prayer. I'll jump into this. Father, we come before your throne, understanding your faithfulness. Father, we come before your throne, understanding the age in which we live. Father, we come before your throne, understanding you will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can think or imagine. So, Father, help us now to have ears to hear. Father, help us now to have eyes to see. And Father, help us to have hearts of humility. So we stand before you. Lord, I beg you, help us to walk worthy. In Christ's name, amen. Our text here in verses 4 through 7, let us read it together. Love is patient, love is kind, is not jealous, love does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into an account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures. All things. All right? If you take a diamond and you cut 15 facets on it and then you shine light through the other side, you'll get all 15 facets. And that's what the Apostle Paul is giving to us today. It is not one of these that um, I got 12 out of 15 then you do not have love. How important is it? The first three verses say you can have spiritual gifts and you do not use love, you are noisy. You can have wisdom, all mysteries, all faith as to remove mountains and you do not have love, you are a zero. You can give all of your possessions to feed the poor. You can surrender your body to be martyred and you do not have love, there is no profit in it. So you know what he's basically saying, right? It's important. Okay. When we think about chapter 5 of the book of Galatians, we think about fruit of the Spirit, and we think we have all these fruits. No, you have one fruit. It does not say fruits of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. When you have that, you have joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and long-suffering and all the rest of it. But if you don't have love, you don't have anything. Okay, and we understand that the definition of God is what? Love. You can literally fulfill the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. This will what? Eliminate sin. Eliminate sin. I do not have a violation against God, my Creator, nor do I have a violation against any of His creation. Okay? Very simple, very easy. And love is easy to spot today. Why? Because first of all, it's patient. Okay? It will endure it. It does not um, retaliate. Love has this redemptive factor in it. It forgives. How many times? Every time it forgives. What? Any offense. It was love that hung him on the cross. It was love that kept him on the cross. Okay, 
But not only does it have this forgiving, this patience to it, it also has kindness. The root word is useful. Not only when do you offend it, it becomes useful to the person who offended it. That's love. That's love. It is not jealous. Okay, jealous is... I am not jealous of what you got, nor do I get myself in a position that I am jealous and I don't want you to have it. Okay, so it covers the external and the internal side of jealousy. It does not have it. It does not possess it. Why? Love prefers to spend itself on the other person. I want you to have it. Not only that, if I'm kind in that love, guess what? I will try to be used so that you may have it. Now, that sounds like a drag, doesn't it? Does not brag. You know what it literally means? It's not a windbag. It doesn't speak of itself. Okay? And then the one after that is that it's not arrogant. That's where it comes from. An exaggerated view of self. Exaggerated view of self. I was teaching this morning on false prophets, and one of the keys to a false prophet is is that they will stroke people's ego. That is not a difficult task. It's a simple task. Why? Everyone has one, and some of us like to boast of it. And a false teacher can make his living or her living on doing what? Stroking the egos. Not only that, I can get a crowd of people who want their egos stroked. Very simple, very easy does not act unbecomingly it does not is not rude all right it takes into consideration what the other feels what is it that if this offends you let me not do this okay and probably the key to it is right the next one there it does not seek its own does not seek its own love dies to self love will expend itself on others that's the key to it Think about it. Everything you hear, everything you see today in our society, and in a lot of our churches is what? Self. Do you have a youth program? Do you have a singles program? Do you have a divorce program? A drinking program? I don't think you have drink- a recovery program. A drinking program. Do you have a drinking program? No, no, we don't. I would be the... Anyway, um, wasn't it Luther who liked beer? Anyway, um, but what is it looking for? Its own. How many people actually go to church and say, this is what I have to give? How many people go and say, here I am, use me up? Okay. So I think the key to it is that it doesn't seek its own. I mean, in the context of where we're at, it started out in chapter 12, verse 1. I do not want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And then, boom, right in the middle of it, he says, oh, by the way, if you love, you'll understand this. Because, see, he comes out of 11 and says, let me show you a better way. Quit seeking show-offs. Quit seeking yourself. Quit seeking to make a name for yourself. And, and it, it is growing in the church. It is growing in the church. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, and you guys, some of you know I have this great flaw in my character. I love history. A lot of people say history. 
Okay, but I love this history and I looked at church history and I cannot think of a time when the church was a greater show off. I've never seen anything like it. Okay, and men and women are taking pulpits and teaching positions and they are aggrandizing themselves in humility. I had a, never mind, that's, uh, that's one of those that gets me. Okay, why? God doesn't share his glory, period. Okay, God doesn't need you or I to build the church. He said he would do it. All right, you can be a part of it or you can sit. All right, or you can act like the Corinthians. So it doesn't seek its own. It is not provoked. You can't irritate love. What? You ain't been murdered, have you? Yeah, I have. Okay. You can irritate it. You can provoke it. You can make it mad in marriage. You can't love. Love never gets irritated. Why? It considers the other person more important. How can you make me mad? How can you make me mad? It does not take into account... A wrong suffered. It's the same term that Jesus uses for you and I when he talks about our justification. He keeps no books of it. God does not keep a book of your sins. We have this mentality that we're going to stand in heaven, there's going to be this big screen, it's going to show all these things that we've done right and wrong, and oh my God, and God says, but you're forgiven. No, man, he's got one ledger, he opens it up and says righteous. It's the only term that's in the ledger, righteous. But you don't understand. I do understand. Do we stumble? Absolutely. He keeps no book of it. All right? So if he keeps no book of my wrongs against him, how can I keep a book of wrongs against another person? It's easy. You don't if you love the other person. Okay? Uh, you ever seen a, a, a parent to a child? Okay? They don't... They have this stupid thing that goes down that when the child screws up, they forget. And they just go on. It's like it never happened. They just move on, move on, move on. It's really cool, actually. It's really cool. Same thing. Okay? Why? Why do they do that? Because I love my child. I love my child. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness. It does not go around gossiping about the weaknesses and failures of other people. Doesn't do it. Doesn't do it. Why? It takes no pleasure in recounting the evil of other people. Okay? Because it says it rejoices with what? Truth. Truth taught and lived. Woohoo! It enjoys. Okay? Then you look at verse 7 and you'll see an ascension of things. These three are all tied together in the original text. Okay, and they ascend. They all hang together. But they are so deep and they are so rich that you can't teach. Well, I can, but you guys would have to sit here for about five and a half hours. Broncos go at two. We have time. No. First of all, we see bears all thing. What does it mean, bears all thing? It literally means to cover it. And it covers it in silence. Covers it in silence. We don't do this. We don't cover it in silence. We want to tout it. Did you know what they did? Let me tell you what they're doing. We need to pray for them. We'll spiritualize it. We need to pray. Such and such is doing this, isn't you know. But 
If take the Galatians six, you guys, stick your finger in Galatians six one. I want to look at it because you who are spiritual see any brother in any trespass. If you're not doing it in love, then you'll have to deal with me, and I won't be pleasant about it. But I'll do it in love. Okay. And what I want you to understand is that when I'm helping a person in a trespass, I mean, it's like the Matthew 18 text, where that's church discipline. You've got to discipline it. It says, if you see one, you do what in private? You confront it in private. Why? I don't want it exposed. If God brings a person into your life who is in sin, then he has you in the position to what? Exhort, admonish if necessary. You may even have to rebuke them. But you do it by yourself. And this is the thing. You who are spiritual see any brother in any trespass, what? Bear that burden. What does that mean? Cover that burden. But he says, be careful, be careful that you don't fall into a trespass. What does that mean? We have a tendency to, you know who I'm helping out of sin, don't you? Or I met this person here and I need you to pray because, boy, they're committing this much adultery and this much and all the rest of it. Why? You just fell into it. You just fell into it. All right. That was the 12th one. The 13th one comes right after it because it says love believes all things. This is the ascension that I'm talking about. I'm going to cover it and then I'm going to believe in the best. Okay, this one here is going to get a couple of you. Instead of suspecting something, instead of being eager to denounce something... You know, they're getting what they deserve. Love believes in the best of someone else. Well, I do that. Really, you ever been discouraged in your walk with Christ? Have you ever been discouraged investing in somebody and watching them walk away, defiant? You know where that comes from? You don't believe in the best. You're not, can I say it? Loving them. Love sees the wrong. Love sees the weakness. Love then throws a mantle of silence over this weakness, over this wrong. Then it believes the best. Believes the best. Love doesn't go through life uh, skeptical, cynical. Love doesn't go through life suspecting. Suspicious of everything and everybody. Have you ever run into those? You know, it's a tragedy. They're alive and flourishing in the church. Are you suspicious of a person every time they do something wrong? They stumble, they fall. I wonder what you do with the text out of Galatia, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where he says, <clears throat> Strengthen the weak, encourage the faint hearted. You know, if you look at those two, without getting all the nuances of the, the text, those two right there will wear you out more than anything. Because you will run into people who are weak. Weak is either they're theologically weak or morally weak. Usually they run hand in hand. And they will take a lot of time. But you also run into the faint-hearted ones. You know the faint-hearted ones. God blesses them. They stand up and then all the time. 
And then you pick them up again, and ho oh, oh, and pick them up again, and ho oh, oh, and and you they just take your time, and you, then what happens with it? These are them weak-willed women being loaded down with sin. That's your first conclusion. I don't think they're saved. Okay, if they're not, then you treat them as an unbeliever, and you do what with them? Give them the gospel. Which means you're doing the same thing you were doing when you're trying to help them not be faint-hearted and when you were trying to help them not be weak. Anybody been discouraged? I've been in this town. I've been in this church for almost 20 years. A little over 20 years. I've seen them come and I've seen them go. I don't know. I mean, um, oh man. Okay. Anyway, seen them come, seen them go. You know, I've even had some leave saying it can outweigh me. I don't know where they're at. But anyway, <clears throat> there is time it gets discouraged. I, I, I just received a phone call from a person who calls us on a regular basis wanting money. Okay, and you know, I'll pray for you. I need money. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, and they just drive you nuts. Okay, but you know what? Love believes all things. See, we have a tendency of when a person wrongs us, sometimes we can tolerate one, sometimes two, occasionally, very rarely, three. You never see four. Because see, that fourth time, that proves it. They're just rotten to the core. I knew it. I knew it to begin with. Listen, love isn't cynical. Love isn't suspicious. Love always believes the best. I've seen it with uh, sons and daughters. Anybody seen sons and daughters of righteous parents drift away from the Lord? I have a dear friend of mine who's a pastor back east. He had a daughter. And uh, had, had two kids. But the daughter was, shall we say, rebellious. Okay, And she took off. And he stepped before the church and says, my daughter is taken off. If you would like me to step down because I can't rule my house, I'll step down. And the church voted unanimously, no, we will cover this in sin. That was the church's covering in love. And he said, yeah, sin is out there, we'll cover it. Um, And... They said, we love you. We love your family and we will reach to the daughter. Well, guess what? The daughter showed up nine months later with child. He took it back before the church again. He said, if you would have me step down, I will step down. The problem was she hadn't learned her lesson. She just happened to have a baby. The church says, no, we will cover this with love. The pastor and his wife says, so shall we. We shall adopt this child. And they adopted the child. The daughter took off again. And I call, I remember talking to him. I said, you know what happened, don't you? And he says, what? I said, in nine months, you're going to have two kids. She didn't. She came back Broken. Asking for forgiveness. And she didn't even have to ask because it was already covered by the church and by the mother and the father. 
But you know one of the things that I've seen with Ron and his wife during that time is they never believed that she would not come back. And I remember when she came back with child, I said, yep, you're right. They can dig themselves a hole deep enough, guaranteed, they'll be back. And yet they never felt that way. They believed with all of their heart. And I thought, how can you do that? How do you believe that fervently? And you know what the Lord has shown me in my years? It's very easy. Because they love her. Because they love her. You see it in families. I'm sure that in this room there are some who have wayward children or some who are praying that their children don't become wayward or however it works. But love believes. See, love has to. It believes all things. Why? Because love cares too much not to. How can it be love if you don't care? Remember, love is not an emotion. Love is not a feeling. It's not icky sentimentalism. It is a verb. It has feet to it. It has arms to it. It has tears to it. It hurts with the person when they're hurting. It has a redemptive quality to it that I will intercede. I will bear you. I will get up under you and carry that load because I believe. Love wants so bad so bad for that person that it literally turns to faith. It turns to faith. They love that child, that person so much that it becomes a belief. It's, it's, I, I kind of look at it, liken it. It's, it's, it. The pull of love is like a rope. And it just pulls and tugs. And yep, it pulls back sometimes. And you sit there and go, if I'm going to have two grandchildren, I'm going to have to adopt both of them. No, no. You can pull and pull and pull and pull. When someone goes wrong, do you love them? Listen, everybody in this room has had people probably intimate in their lives who have hurt them. Do you love them? Because if you do, then you're going to believe in the best in that person. It will be overcome. I have seen uh, in this fellowship wives who have husbands who do not believe. And yet, he'll come someday. And you keep saying, that's the dumbest, you know, you got 30, 40, 50 years of believing. But love won't let him do anything else. See, love sees the wrong. Don't get I, I, love isn't stupid. It doesn't walk around. That ain't what love is. Love will confront. Love will rebuke. Love will admonish. Yes, yes, yes. But it believes. Love sees the weakness. Love will rebuke it. Love will deal with it. But love will not try to expose it. Love covers it. If you're going to make a mistake, now listen, uh, if you're going to make a mistake about someone's character, okay, do me a favor, or do a favor, do a favor to yourself, do a favor to the Lord, and do a favor to everybody else. Err 
on the side of love? Make the mistake in the fact that you trusted them too much and you believed in them too long, too too much. Go that side. Listen, I, I really want you to do that because I have been in this church for a long time. Some of you have been with me a long time. Some of you not so long. You know what is really cool about this church? I believe in you. I put my faith in you. Every one of you. Young and old. Even Jake. Jake wakes up. What? One of the things that I rejoice in this church is the leadership. I believe in the leadership of this church. There are some in the leadership position. There are some who lead and they don't even know they're doing it. But what I've seen in the leadership of this church is a total dedication to Christ. I believe in the best. Period. And some of you make it hard. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I do. I believe in it. I've seen it. I've watched it. You know, some of you, uh, I think about the Barris, uh, Karen, uh, Stephanie, and some of you, you've seen me a long time. And you say, I've seen God change you. You know what? I've seen God change you. And we've all struggled. But I trust you. I trust every one of you. Even Jake. You know what I've also learned? Is that even if somebody doesn't fulfill that trust, it's all right. It's all right. I think uh, of some people that we've invested in in the past. Uh, We've invested in in time and and monies and all the rest of it. And they just kind of walk away and we think we get discouraged about it. And we think that was a waste. We get this and that and all that. You know what? God still deals with it. I have seen in this church and in the leadership of this church that many of you err on the side of love. I like that. Now, not all of you, but some of you. And you know what? Those that I have seen in this church who are what I call healthy and happy. Remember a couple of weeks ago I taught on sin. The healthy and happy ones are the ones who are erring on the side of love. Most of the time, when you err on the side of love, most of the time, please hear me. I didn't say all the time. Most of the time, when you err on the side of love, it puts people under Uh, an emphasis is as best I can describe it, an emphasis that makes them want to give the best they have. You know what? The Corinthians had no idea what this was. Many in the body of Christ today do not have any idea what this is. Many people today believe in bad. They assume uh, nobody's telling the truth. They're hiding something. Got to be. You know, and I was thinking about that. And I, and I thought about a guy who was considered the most righteous man in the East. And he, he had a, a, a kind of a bad stretch there. And then he did something that I, many of us disregard. 
Um, Job listened to the people who loved him way too long. Remember all of his buddies coming around? Uh, In the 21st chapter, verse 27, Behold, I know your thoughts. Job gets tired of it. I know your thoughts. And the plans which you would wrong me. For you say, where is the house of the nobleman? Where is the tent, the dwelling places of the wicked? And basically what he says right there is like, you know what? How can you love me? When everything you have told me in, what I guess what, chapter 4 through 20, 21, is condemning me. You're saying all of this is happening because I'm doing something against God and God's getting me. And if I just come clean, it'll all get better. All of his buddies were doing what? Thinking evil of him. You're doing something. I've had people do that. They, they tell me, so the church never grows. It's got to be Terry. I didn't know I had that much power in the kingdom of God. I can stop the building of his church. Cool. I thought the boat of the dead couldn't stop it. Except Terry. But there are people who believe that they're out there in our community. When you've been in a community as long as I have, they're out there. Saying, oh, I wouldn't go there. Well, that's that Terry. He's doing something wrong. Why? It never gets bigger than about 25, 30 people. He's got to be. It's his fault. Yep, it's mine. Okay? They think evil. Um, let me give you another text. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9. It's an interesting text, but it deals with this. In verses 1 and 2, Jesus has just come across the Sea of Galilee, and he came in to his own city. And they brought to him a paralytic, verse 2, lying on a bed. Seeing their faith of the friends who had brought this man, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. He heals him. He heals him, and then he forgives him their sins. Okay? Here's their conclusion. Some of the scribes said to themselves, I like that verse, that phrase right there, to themselves, this fellow blasphemes. See? They had predetermined for years of Jesus' public ministry that Jesus was evil. It was determined. I already understand this. So no matter what he does, what is it? It's evil. Let me ask you a question. Is it evil to heal somebody? Is it evil to forgive someone's sin? How in the world do you conclude that? How do you come to that conclusion? Unless you have a predetermined opinion that this person is evil. So let me ask you a question. How much love do these guys have for Jesus? None. How much love did Job's buddies have? And you don't think they would get it because in verse 4 it says, Jesus knowing their thoughts, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Now listen, somewhere in this you should say, he knows what I'm thinking. (laughs) Bummer. Okay? It's an indictment of the scribe. Their evil was towards Jesus. They didn't love him. If they loved him, they would have thought what? 
the best, the best. See, when you love, you will think the best of that person, even when they do something wrong, when they do something just boneheaded. You know, if you've ever raised kids, you know that your children have done some of the most moronic things you've ever thought. You, you just sit there and go, what? And yet love says, I believe it. I wish it because of that love. I care too much not to. That's how love works. It thinks the best. Listen, if you dislike or even hate somebody, how hard is it for you to find fault? Just like that. It's a piece of cake. Spotted a mile away. Not only if I dislike them, I know their faults before they even act on it. But if you start loving that person, you'll start covering their faults. Linsky said this, and I like this. No, wait, sorry. Spiros Zodiati said this. Quote, Love is a harbor of trust for those who are doubted by everybody else. Unquote. I like that. You hear that? You think, yeah, Terry didn't say that. <laughs> Terry didn't say that. Love is a harbor of trust for those who are doubted by everyone else. See, when you look at the Galatians 6 text, love believes and it's Johnny on the spot to restore the fallen. Any brother in any trespass, boom! Why? Because I believe... In the best of this person. Why? God redeemed this person. God died for this person. I'm believing the best of this person. I am going to trust this situation. Listen, when you see the name Christian, it means little Christ, right? It was a derogatory term. And it literally meant those who would what? Follow Christ. Think about Christ for a second. Setting on the Sea of Galilee. He's got these 12 wonderful people around him. How can you not be saying to God, what was you thinking? If I'm Jesus, I'm looking at the 12 thinking, we're in trouble. God wants me to come to heaven and leave this to them. Are you nuts? But love covered it. Peter, you're before the cock crows. You're going to deny me three times. See, Peter had this faithless problem. And then, I mean, the ones that we know the best most about, right? Peter, James, and John. James and John's had a serious pride problem. Passive-aggressive, sin mom. I mean, the text that you read this morning, you want us to call down fire from heaven? That's James and John, who I thought they loved. They do, as long as you're not on the wrong side. And Jesus' response was, you know, forget it. We're here to save them, not to turn them into charcoal briquettes. But you see what I mean? I mean, how would you like to have been Jesus hanging out three years with these people thinking, oh, the kingdom in heaven is truly in trouble? No. Lord, 
Father, you've given me losers. You want me to come to heaven and hand this over to them? Listen, Jesus knew the sins of the disciples. Even in the restoration of Peter. Do you love me? Do you even like me? Go feed my sheep. (laughs) What about John? Okay, now listen. Here's what happens. Now, Now stay with me here. Wait a minute. What happens when I throw the mantle over their sin? Okay? And then I walk with him. I believe. I take that love and and covered so well, and I believe so much that it becomes a faith unto itself. There's good there. I know love is redemptive. But man, there's times when I just find my faith fading. I feel discouraged Uh, with my husband, with my wife, my child, this friend. You don't understand I've been bearing this burden for years. What, what do I do? Thought you'd never ask. Love hopes all things. We'll pick it up in two weeks. Father, your love has been poured in our hearts to the person of the Holy Spirit. Father, let us rejoice in that. Let us understand that your love shining through your people called by your name shows 15 facets of love that the world will stand in complete awe of. Thank you. Thank you. May we love as Christ loves us to your glory your praise amen